Hey everyone! Today in What's My Frame, I'm joined by casting associate Satchel Buck Jones. Satchel hails from the callous fields of suburban Iowa, yet still retains that small town charm. After majoring in theater arts and creative writing, Satchel followed his dreams to New York City, and by a chance connection, he found himself interning at Telsey & Company, where he discovered a passion for casting and working with actors. Since then, Satchel has had incredible opportunities to work with some of the greats of casting in New York. In 2019, he moved to Los Angeles. He again landed on his feet, reteaming with Telsey's LA office. You really only need to say hello to Satchel to see his love for actors. Today, he shares his views on the futures of virtual casting and what he's learned from working in some of the most prestigious offices in both New York and LA over the years. Please join me in welcoming Satchel Buck Jones to the show. Well, hello Satchel, thanks for joining us on What's My Frame. Thank you for having me. All right, so can you start us off with your journey into the industry and casting and what just makes you love it so much and keeps you coming back? Yeah, um, so, you know, uh, kind of had a roundabout journey, I guess, you know, so I, uh, I always knew from a young age that I wanted to kind of work in movies. I just knew that this film industry was something that called to me. I think it, it was first, it was like visual effects. And then in high school, it was like the acting itch and went, which went into college. Uh, but when I went to college, I went to a small liberal arts school in Cedar Rapids, Iowa called Co College. And during my junior year, they had a kind of term abroad. And it was in New York City because New York is so abroad in the Midwest. And um, I just so happened that my aunt, who is, she's a producer and she, um, Kind of, you know, is one of the reasons that I think I love film so much, but had a connection to um, Ellen Chenoweth, who is a, you know, I, I like to consider one of the maitre d'oms of casting. She's known for like doing all the Coen Brothers films and she has a house in Iowa randomly. So there was a connection there and I ended up getting to meet with her and just talk to her and, and about what I wanted to do. Cause there's at the time I was like, there's no intern in acting. Like you don't just kind of do that. And so I was like, what's the next thing? And casting seemed like an idea. So she, you know, at the time didn't have anything specifically that needed for an intern, but I was able to go to New York and intern at a post-production facility that also um, held the offices at the time of Jen Houston, who has done like, you know, uh, Orange is the New Black, Girl, and all that stuff. And then um, Ellen Lewis uh, as well. So she's like another maitre dame as well, Martin Scorsese. Um, and so I was kind of surrounded by that. And I happened to, after that internship ended and that semester ended, um, was able to kind of get an in and was able to... Uh, uh, come back to New York. I came back to Iowa and then went to New York and interned at Telsey uh, for that summer uh, before I went back to school to finish up um, my senior year of college. And I interned at Telsey and that was to me was so clear because I, I quickly realized when I came to New York, I was like, I'm not going to like New York. You know, I'm here for the experience where it'll be great, whatever. And it was such a funny switch where I fell in love with New York so fast, but I realized right away that I was like, did not have the, the passion that I saw in actors. For it, like, I was like, I don't, I don't foresee myself, you know, spending the time reading scripts and doing these things and like really like and getting into like the character of it all. I, yeah. um, but I found that like being in the room and being with those people that do love it so much <laughs> was something that I really enjoyed. And I had always had a kind of a knack for like watching movies and remembering faces and that thing. So I was like, this seems just to make sense. Like, well, how can I use that? Um, so yeah, and then I had made some really good connections from that internship and I, so I came back to New York right after graduating college. I took like two weeks, got everything and moved to the city with, with nothing. And it was like kind of like that, you know, that first freelance life. I didn't know what was happening. And I ended up taking a job at um, CESD talent agency. Um, and it was a very happenstance where I went in and they were like, there's no position here, but a girl ended up quitting when I was in it. 
And they were like, do you want to start tomorrow? So I got a job my second day in New York City. And I ended up just starting as like a receptionist. And I worked my way back to the voiceover department. So the time that was the only thing open, but for me it was the closest thing that I could get to casting as I was able to spend almost every single day in a room with actors. Yeah. And that for me was just like so beneficial. And it was great because I got to meet so many actors in New York City. Um, but I knew even in that aspect, I was like, I, re I really enjoyed it. It was a really fun job, but commercials was not where my heart was at. I always wanted to kind of get back into the television and film side of things. Um, and I just so happened that there was an opportunity um, to kind of jump back in, Ellen Lewis needed an assistant, and I jumped in with her, and it was one of those experiences where I jumping in on one of my first things was like just working on a Steven Spielberg film, and so it was just like very like, oh, that's easy, but that was a kind of a jump back into casting, so it was this whole like kind of route of, you know, the agency side of things, um, and then finding my footing and getting back into it, and so from then, from Ellen, it was like a little bit of that off, and then I found a home at Eston Bergstein Casting in New York, and then was with them for almost three years and then kind of decided to like take my experience and branch out and kind of find my own way. And I kind of went about and then moved to LA in August of uh, 2019 and have found a full circle home back at, um, you know, I've been with Telfy since I started here. So it has been very fortunate to kind of have that experience. Wow, and so you're coming up on your almost one year anniversary with the city. Uh, yes, I mean, I still feel like it's a very odd one year. I feel like I got here and I literally I moved here on a Friday and I started a project on that following Monday and there was no like real adjustment. Everyone's always like, you know, you need two years to get adjusted to LA. I'm like, well, I had two days to like, just like do everything. Find your Ralphs, your Erewhon. <laughs> exactly. And I was like driving a car. I mean, we drove across country, which was really fun, but it was like still like driving in LA is different than driving across country. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a whirlwind. And I feel like my first year is like such a strange time because I jumped right into it crazy. and then there was that holiday break, came back, jumped right onto a pilot, and then COVID happened, and that's kind yeah. of where we're at. So this has been a very interesting LA adjustment, I guess, coming from New yeah. York. Yeah. yeah, you got a very special first year in LA. I did. <laughs> it's been a very special first year. <laughs> All right, so I would love to dive into what is one of your personality strengths that's an asset to your casting? Yeah, I think for me, at um, the thing that I treasure the most is my time in the room. And I think that is where I feel that I am my strongest. And I think that just mm -hmm. is coming from the experience that from that one of that first job of being at an agency where I spent every single day in a room talking to actors. Yeah. And it's just, and, and finding that common ground and being able to read people and moods. And you know, it's so important to me that everyone's coming in that they feel comfortable and know that it's also their time. Um, yeah. And I think me being hyper aware of that is kind of one of my, the strong suit of my personality trait for casting. And that's, yeah, and that's, like I said, it's my favorite part of the casting process. So that would be my strength, would be talking with people. And for anyone that has not actually worked with you in the room, I can say from experience, like, you clearly love actors. Like, there yeah. are casting directors that you meet that their mind works in this brilliant way, yeah. and they just, like, it's, like, constantly, like, you can see it, like, categorizing it oh. smiling as they're watching humans. And then there are others that have this other brilliant gift of just loving the art of it and loving the human stories and yeah. so yes anyone that's lucky enough to be in your room it's a real treat <laughs> that I mean and I think it does speak just from my experience of just being more freelance of jumping around different offices like Ellen Lewis was such a you know driving force of like really making the time for the actors in the room you know mm -hmm. every day even like she was always like do, you know making sure that I was talking to everyone and it, 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 so from that and, to every, and just seeing a, a wide spectrum of everything I think it's that's been so beneficial to my experience yeah. 
Now, nothing will ever replace that being in the room and yeah. connecting with the casting behind the table. But I feel like in New Hollywood, we're going to see more and more self-tapes for who knows how long. Yeah. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about self-tapes and what, in your experience, makes a strong self-tape, um, what kind of choices, what mm -hmm. stands out um, beyond the obvious of, you know, hopefully through COVID, we have all learned that we must be able to be seen and heard. Yeah. Um, beyond, beyond that, what are yeah. the, the really key elements? Yes, seen and heard is very important. Um, but I do think, you know, it's about utilizing this small box and frame that you're in. You know, strong self-tapes to me are, is creating the context of the scene that you're acting. And that just means to me is like, if there's more than one character you're playing off of, really having those sidelines that it's really distinct, there's a distinct choice and it, and it stays there. So that it puts me in a place that I can see what's happening, even though it's just you. Yeah. And I think that's really important to find and play with because um, context is everything, you know? I think that's something that's really important. Um, and I think too, as, as we're all kind of adjusting to this new Hollywood that's happening, uh, I think actors really do have to realize that this is also going to be very new for us on the casting side. So it's gonna be a learning curve and a conversation as, as far as to how this is going to work. I appreciate you sharing that because I think so often actors, I mean, it's only a few of us that get in our heads, but you know, the few <laughs> yeah. that do. Um, we're feeling this responsibility to learn all of these new skills. And mm -hmm. there was already a little uh, grumbling, if you will, of people, you know, saying that self-taping was acting, ask, asking the actor to do a lot, which personally, I think there's benefits and takeaways mm -hmm. from, from both. But thank you for saying that, like, both sides are learning. And yeah. both sides have a process here to go through. And I mean, self-tapes are asking a lot. I think, you know, we are our own harshest critic, right? So it's so hard. To figure out exactly what is right because you just want to, and you just keep going there's so many different ways usually um but with a self-tape too i think you and also like realize that you know like we want you to do a good job so we just we will try to give you as much as we can as well you know and i think for a lot of actors you know how many times have we heard actors be like well i don't know i killed it in the room or oh it was awful and we we have no idea and when yeah. you self-taped you know five to fifteen times you actually do see what all the things you did yeah <laughs> and it's a yeah. It's a real smorgasbord. <laughs> yeah. We got to step away sometimes, come back to it, you know? <laughs> yes, that yeah. is key. Where we have a little bit extra time, a lot of actors are wanting, you know, maybe experiment with props or a slate shot um, that's a little bit more personalized. Mm -hmm. How do you feel about that? Do you think that adds or is it just kind of looks like you're trying to do more? I think about having a prop as if, if that prop is super like, it's, if it's going to benefit you and the character that you have kind of created, if that's going to happen, then I think then, yeah, it's necessary. But if that prop is going to become a hindrance, if that prop is going to be something you're going to be focused on and take it away and get you out of, you know, out of the moment, then I, I always recommend that, you know, you can practice with props, but I love taking it away and seeing what happens when things, the, the, the stuff that comes out of the discomfort of not having it there, that we, the thing that you've prepared that with. Yeah. Um, and I, and I, and I always think that's, I think it's always really interesting because the thing, you know, when you're, you're so reliant on like, I need to hit this or I need to remove these glasses to, to make a point. You know what I mean? When you take that away, what can you do mm -hmm. that is going to, that is, that isn't, this isn't telling me, you know, you know what I mean? It's like showing me in a way that's like not the action. I, um, so for me, it's a fine line. I think, you know, some people are really good at props. And like I said, if it's something that you need, that it feels like it centers you in this, in this, in this role, then that's great. But I think if it's something that, 
you know, a phone gets stuck in your pocket and you can't pull it out, then it just throws you off. You know, it's, so, but it means, so that means you need to learn how to remove it as exactly. well. Um, and then as far as slates go, you know, when we see slates, I worked with in offices where it's like, you know, either it's going to be the first thing people send and see or the last thing you see. So it's coming before the, before the uh, actual take or after. And so I think about it in that way, because I'm like, it's either going to be your first impression or your last impression. But the thing that's really, that you really want, I think, to be the last impression is your actual take. The yeah. thing that you want your work to speak for itself. So I think for me, a slate isn't about over-personalizing. I think you, I think you yourself can just be your own, bring your own personality into something very simple. Yeah. Like I said, I think the thing that's important is the actual tape itself. The actual like. work. Yeah. Now, what is your favorite and least favorite parts of your job? Um, I think early, like I said, I, being in the room for me is always where I find my greatest joy because it's, it's the place where I can like, you know, you can connect with actors, um, even, and not even on an industry level, you can just talk to them about your day. It's like, you know, you can just let out and, and, and you can, and it's also a way of just like helping them come down from the nerves of being there and just being able to connect and talk and I think that to me is my favorite part because it's like it's work and it can be play you know what I mean it's like the best part the jokes the laughs and, and and being there for people and um as much as I hope I'm teaching them stuff they teach me stuff as well and I then that's I mean that's the most beneficial part of the job so also then the worst part for me is when that moment that me being in the room is something that I feel like it is taken away from me in, in the sense that there's some other power that I have to get out. There's something, there's a depressing deadline and it feels like I, like that stuff that takes me away from being in the moment with people on that, I think is really hard because you can't always control that. There's always going to be things happening behind the scenes that you have to do. And I just, I, I would never want anyone to feel after coming into my room, like I was not engaged or not helpful. And I think for me, and I think so much about that because it's, you know, coming in for casting is so hard because it can feel so, impersonal you come in you read it once and you're gone and I remember someone once like an actor made a joke it was like it was like it was like something's taken from them and not given back but they don't know what and they're like okay thank you you know what I mean and I just and I think it, that's I hate when when the work work side of things takes away from that experience yeah that's my least favorite part so it's kind of a double-edged sword a little bit. <laughs> but I think most most highs they do have that equal balance yeah. of like the low to it mm -hmm. All right, so this may translate to tapes as well or Zoom auditions, but what is one of the common and easily avoidable mistakes you see actors make when auditioning? Yeah, I think, you know, it's how, you know, think about your attitude when you walk into a space and what that already tells you. Like, I, I think, you know, I think reading a room is so important yeah. from the actor side of the thing and, and also from my side. But like I've had an, you know, I always like try to keep everything, you know, positive and I just want to make, make sure that we can talk first if there are any questions. But I've had like actors where I'm like, how are you doing? They're like, well, you know, I came in for an audition for a role that works today and I'm here. So how do you think I'm doing? And how does, you know, so like, what does that, oh. you know, like, what does that, what does that do for you? It, it just, it puts, you know, paints a color and, the, and it makes, already makes this tiny little space that we're sharing into something that is like, in a way where I'm like, okay, like, how, how can I, now how can I? work through this like how can I talk to you yeah. and direct you um so I think that's you know just about the attitude it's like it's almost like you know leaving your home life at home when you go to work kind of situation and trying Absolutely. to find that balance um so I always think like you know how do you want to be remembered is very important um because I think the last thing you want is to come in and feel like you know you're remembered to be difficult or something like that because you know like what you know or a 
to a chore getting out of the room because like what's the what's going to make me want to call you back if I know it's going to be like a fight every single time uh-huh. um, which I think leads into things like it's like learning how to take direction without feeling the need to justify why you made the choices that you did you know what I mean so I might, I might sometimes like give you a direction and people will be like well the site said this and this and this and this and this and I'm like there's a way to like talk about that without coming off um defensive you know what I mean? Yeah. And it, that's just something over time as you learn. And, and, and I totally understand wanting to be like, well, I made this choice because I thought of this. And I'm like, great. But I'm also telling you that I think we should try it this way, X, Y, and Z way. So I think that also, that to me is like just something to consider when we give you feedback. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Does it feel like it's coming from the actor from a place of like wanting to show their work or just not wanting to be reshaped? No, I think, I think it's not... It, yeah, I think wanting to show their work, like, here's my thought process and why, but sometimes, you know, when you try to explain, like, well, here's why I did what I did, and you try to get, it, sometimes it does come off, like, we're judging you on a thing where I'm like, no, like, that's not, like, you're not wrong. What I'm telling you is, like, yeah, of course, I see what you, I see why you did that. What I'm telling you is, like, let's try a different way. Yeah. It's not always about, like, coming back and being like, well, and fighting me on it. I'm like, okay, cool, totally hear you, but yeah. yeah. I think sometimes we as actors don't hear that word, try. Yeah. We hear wrong, do this. And it's like, it's, yeah. not, it's not at all because it could reverse back to what you came in with originally. Oh my gosh, it's so true. And I think, you know, as well, you know, when we give you direction, I think people sometimes are so nervous where they're like, okay, I need to like make sure I adjust every single part of this from every single note. And I'm like, it's not always about that. It's like always someone's taking what we say. Mm-hmm. And if there's certain things you don't understand what we're saying, like it's taking the parts you, that, that make sense to you and using that. Yeah. You know what I mean, it's like not everything we say is like a hundred percent the truth. It's like we're giving you these options, like here's how to play with this and see what you can do. And so I think sometimes people get like that, like, oh no, I that's you know, I gotta change completely. And then fight and be like, well, I did it for this reason. And I'm like, again, cool, that's fine. <laughs> but let's try this way. Yeah. And also, especially on like some of the projects you've worked on, we're not privy to all of the information and all yeah. the meetings that you yeah. guys have heard there may be a reason that we need to try it this way. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You guys are trying to help us. (laughs) All right. So actors often hear it's not about booking the role, it's about booking the room. And I think Mm -hmm. we already touched on this quite a bit of just leaving that positive impression, you know, being a guest in someone's workspace that they want to have come back and they want to invite back. Um, But could you give us a little insight into the conversations once we leave the room when we, you know, maybe weren't right for it at all but we left that positive impression. Right, yeah, and I think, you know, it's it's a sense of, it's like prep, being prepared, but in, in a way that is an understanding of the text and of the role that goes beyond, I think, us giving you direction. It's like, I can give you something and say something and you're able to take that and either surprise me and say a role, say something in a different way that I'm like, wow, I didn't, ex-, you know, that I didn't think of it being read this way. Yeah. I mean, that just, it just shows me there's a level of thinking and understanding that goes beyond what I, even I thought about it, that I think that is, that's to me is something I'm like, oh, this person gets it. And that's what's memorable to me. And I, and, that, that, and I can tell you like, the exact thing. I think it's, it's always about the person, but I think it's, it's important to remember that like, yes, you're acting as a character, but like, I find things that, you know, when you're able to feel like it's an authentic thing, that it's you as this role and bringing your experience and all these kind of things to it, that's what I think is most exciting. And when it translates in a way, um, that that becomes memorable. And that's kind of booking the room to where I'm like, oh my gosh, and I leave and I have to like just talk about it and be like, I didn't even think about this. You know what I mean? And that's, yeah. that, and that's an exciting part, you know, that's, that's yeah. And it's, it's about, and it's about having those conversations and, and being able to like 
come in and learn about learning how to take those directions and applying it. And that just comes with time. Um, but yeah, that, so it's always about the communication and coming in and, and, and being and being prepared, but knowing how you work and how you can take what is said and make it work for you. 100%. Yeah. All right. I want to talk about breakdown services for a moment. Mm -hmm. What advice would you have for actors that are updating their materials right now? And secondly, how can we streamline our materials to make casting's job easier? As far as like, you know, helping streamline things when it comes to like updating resumes and headshots and, and the reels and clips, I think for me, it's always about like, how you want to represent yourself right now and how that comes across and I think for me what that means is like I want to see you as you are now so if clips or reels I say like lead with your best and most recent work because I want to see who you are at this moment that's going to be that you know it's, instead of like yes maybe you had an amazing thing like a you, you were, had a, a role on something that was from five or ten years ago but you look mm -hmm. drastically different like that's great I think maybe it can be on the reel somewhere down the line but I don't think you should lead with that kind of stuff I think things should be very much more about who you are right now in this moment in time yeah. um, in this new Hollywood and um yeah so I think thinking about that and like clips versus reels like I think yes like having clips are great or like a comedy reel versus a drama reel like that's helpful for us because it the person, I don't always think it's necessary. I think, you know, everyone has, you know, you have, everything costs money and all these things happen. So I think if you are, if you have a demo reel where it's all of them together, you know, I, that's also fine. I think there's going to be ways for us to figure out how we can like edit that with, to our advantage as well. Having clips or having separate things is nice because it makes our job a little easier. But um, yeah, but you know, yeah, I, I don't think, not, don't worry so much. I think, again, it's about the work that you're showing and how you're presenting yourself. Same with like headshots. Like I know I've seen people out here where there's so many words like they're in a doctor's outfit and in a cop outfit. And I'm like, I'm not so interested in seeing that. I'd rather see you do that in the room. Like I'd rather like you come yeah. in and be like, you know, I don't need to do like the picture of it. Like do that. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Um, and so the pictures themselves or the headshots, I think just need to feel you authentic, authentic to you. And I know there's ways that sometimes photographers have like the comedy headshots or the drama headshots. And I think there are reasons for that. I think there are absolutely yeah. things. But um I think it all comes back to you and how you want to you know, sell yourself in a sense. I completely agree. And also for any actors that are listening that don't know, you can actually now for free re-edit your reel on Breakdown Services. So you're not having to do that $22 a minute. So you can actually refresh it for free. You can add new to it, but you can reformat what you already have up there. Very informative. I like that. <laughs> All right. So often actors are really busy thinking about their audition. They don't stop to think about the stress and deadlines the casting faces as well. What are some important things actors should be mindful of when going into the room or asking to make their audition time? Yeah. Things like that. Um, yeah, I think, you know, I hit on it a little earlier. I think uh, such, a, such a big thing is just reading a space. You mm -hmm. know, you can come in one day and that casting director or whoever's reading with you could be in a great mood and be super talky and then who knows what happened. Yeah. And you might come back in expecting it to be very similar to that. And you come in and it's just different. And then that mood throws you, I think. So just being prepared of reading the space and kind of giving back what they're giving to you. You know what I mean? So I think it's, just, yeah. it's not like saying like, if they're being rude, be rude back. You know what I mean? I'm saying like, but like professional, it's like work, you know, just yeah. being aware of that. And I think that's really helpful. And no, I know it's easy to get in your head. And when you're in the waiting room and there's all these people around, it's like difficult. Um, but just being aware of that when you get in that space and really then taking that time, taking a second just to get comfortable. I think people need to remember that as well. But, um, and as far as like moving your audition, like we wanted to see you for a reason, right? Yeah. So I really, I think, you know, remember that. And I think I'm here to always work with you. Um, but there are going to be times where time is of the essence. And so like, if you are asking to move something and I'm like, great, 
fine, here's a time frame. That's it. And then you keep kind of come back. I'm like, I'm like, I'll try to work with you, but just also know that at some point you may have missed a chance because we've had to send off our selects. You know what I mean? And that just happens. Yeah. Um, but more often than not, I think we work, we try to work with the actor. I think it's, you know, that's the whole point that we're here for you. And it's a, and it's a conversation, but just, I think the biggest thing that's going to help an actor themselves is just knowing to read the room when they walk into it. Yeah. And remembering that we're there to be of service. We're trying to help you guys find the missing piece of the puzzle. Yeah. Not to give a headache. Yeah, but also like, I think instead of putting all that pressure on yourself too, as well, like if you're the, there for us, it's like, we're also there to like help you as well. You know what I mean? I think you have to always remember that we, us behind the camera, there is a pressure too to like, we want this to go good. We want to find this and we want, and we would love it to be you. We want to keep, you know, we can and work with you and find that stuff. Yeah, so, that's that why the, some actors, you know, get keep getting called back and called back. Yeah. Because you guys are on a daily basis championing for us, yeah. and we're auditioning way more than we even realize. Yeah. Which segues into my next question. You've worked with a number of prestigious offices, and I can only imagine the creative conversations that happen when you guys get a new project, a, a new movie or a new show, um, or even, you know, the new season. But can you walk us through a little bit of the casting process of, like, how you all make the lists, how you guys get started before the breakdowns ever, ever hit our eyes or our agent's eyes. Um, yeah, and I know, I think, you know, every office I've ever worked for is a little different in their process, and, like, the role of, like, an associate or the role of an assistant can also vary, because, like, sometimes you'll work on a project that only has an associate, some only have an assistant, so you're kind of juggling a bit different jobs, so the experiences that I've had have kind of varied, but I think everything kind of starts with that script. So you get that, you get the script and you read through it and it's the, you know, cast director's job, associate job, we go through and we break down all of the speaking roles and you break that down. Um, and then usually from there, you know, it's, it's either, you know, having a conversation and finessing those descriptions or at the time casting directors and usually the associates who I always kind of consider as like the second brain of the casting director mm-hmm. kind of go through and create, like an idealist of these roles, especially for like the series regulars or like the, the, the major players, that kind of stuff, the major recurrings. They kind of create these idealists um, that, you know, and we do all of, our, all of our homework on those. And then you have a kind of a concept call with your creative team, directors and producers to kind of go through that, you know, and like, you know, so then it's a conversation of like what they had in mind and it's, it's a collaborative experience and then but it's also our job too on those lists and having that conversation to then be creative which is the fun part um yeah and so and from there though then it's that conversation and creating like great here we have this and this is what we have in mind kind of and then we get to play and get to do that stuff and then it's kind of um kind of goes into usually is the kind of scheduling of it all um and oh gosh the scheduling of it all um (laughs) Let's see. I think, you know, scheduling when it comes like, and I'm going to speak like kind of from television, television moves fairly fast. So for me, it's always kind of, it's going to happen with prioritizing the roles. And like, that might be like, you may want to attach someone to like a, a series regular or, or a reoccurring guest or like a little bit fancier or something like that, uh, a name or, or, and then, you know, or if there's like some coastal roles that are working up sooner, you may be, you know, so that's kind of that kind of conversation and figuring that out. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, as I go through to different offices, you know, every casting director has their own individual taste and the clients that I like to bring in. And I think that's something that I love to learn from because, you know, I am only cultivating these ideas from the, my experiences at different places and like seeing different people. And so, it, you know, and people are, and the casting directors are hired because of that. Like that's a yeah. part of the reason. And so for me, especially when I like, have come to LA, like it's a very new market for me. 
Uh-huh. And so one thing that I'm learning too and that I really, really value is learning from my casting director. They'll make a list. And if I have some good ideas, I love, you know, it's a conversation. But I think when it comes to maybe some like these, like a guest star role or some reoccurring co-star roles and stuff like that, like going through these submissions on breakdowns or, you know, from agents and managers or that kind of thing. And going through and, and highlighting things that I'm like, oh, this is interesting to me. That what is, what, there's something on the resume that says like, oh, I'm working on a comedy. This person has a ton of comedy on there. Or being like, maybe not a ton of comedy, but there's like, they've done a ton of improv there's something about it that's like really interesting to me or for whatever reason I'm just like yes love the face let's do it you know what I mean yeah. and having the fashion director like really go through and look at the choices that I've made and then having them weigh in on it because it also tells me a little bit about their taste and then it creates this conversation that I get to have with my boss uh-huh. and kind of work with them to then melt make this show that we're working on together and having a cohesive vision so that's kind of how that goes with scheduling for me and then you know you schedule everything and you have all the fun auditions and um Sometimes, and then you, sometimes there's callbacks. I think it depends on the product. Sometimes a lot of the ex- experience in television is moving quick and that it's, you know, booked right off tape. And there's not a lot of callbacks, but sometimes you, know, you have, you have um, creative teams that want to have an in-room callback and work with the actors and that kind of thing. Or, or make the, or like the cast director, like, you know, the associate will be in the room and the cast director watches all of the, all the tapes and is like, ooh, I really want to change this. And they'll, they'll call them back and that kind of thing. And, so, and that's a, that happens. Um, but from there, you know, you, 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 you call these people in, you know, you hopefully have people that you really, really like that you can, you know, then show your creative team. So the directors and also the creative producers. Um, and um, they then weigh in on all of it. And it's a conversation and it's all about like what they're seeing and that kind of stuff. And then from there, if everything goes great and there's a choice, you have a choice and, and then it goes to the approval process. Okay. And it's usually going to studio and then network. And they all have their kind of channels that they have to run up through as well. And then it's more of a conversation there too. So there's another, there's all this other conversations. So you have the conversation with your creative team, conversation with the studio, a conversation with the network. So there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen and there's a lot of stuff that's happening. And it's, um, yeah, it's, but it's great. It's a, it's a really interesting, just see how all of the different parts of the puzzle work is very, very interesting. <laughs> um, and, and then from there, you know, you know hopefully every, the choice is approved. And once they're approved, you know, then it's the whole, onto production and hopefully, you know, booking them. And then there's a whole other th- a myriad of things that could happen, you know, rewrites and all of, you know, all of the stuff that, you know, that goes on from there. But that's kind of the process that I've experienced as far as like television and stuff goes as well. And it's, you know, there's all these little different steps. And then there's all these other little things that like, you know, I think, you know, I, I remember having an interview with someone and uh, a cast that had been working on something and they were saying that their job, that, that every single week there was something with all of these new, all this new content, that there was something, in the project that they have never experienced before happening at least once a week. So it was like a new problem, a new situation. And if, but I think it's good because I think I, I get, you know, the fear of not knowing, but the only way you can know is when that problem happens and how to address it. And so, yeah, there's just all these, there's all these moving parts. There's all these things. And I think casting, you know, it's, it's somehow you are like this middleman that is speaking to all of these different parties. You know, you're speaking, you're speaking on behalf of the actor, you're talking to the agents, talking to the manager, you're talking to the creative team, you're talking to the studio and the network, you're talking to production, you're talking, you know, so you really are this like, this focal point. And it's, it's such a interesting, you know, and it varies every project, nothing's been the same. Yeah, I really appreciate you taking the time to share all of that. Yeah. The behind the curtains, if you will, yeah. because I think so often as actors, we think it, you know, it, it all just sits on this, like, five minutes in the room, and it's, like, yeah. no. there's, like, 50 no. people that are, like, seeing this tape, and, like, yeah. it goes so far up the, the oh, yeah. 
uh, chain of command, I guess you would say. Exactly. And, yeah. So just thank you for sharing that. And, yeah, and I, I said, I just want to stress to like, you know, like it's always, everyone's experience and how they run their offices is always very different. So it, yeah, it's, it's, and like I said, it's learning and I'd say, as I keep going on and learning stuff, it's like creating my own, my own way of things, but it's, like I said, it's always different and um, it's such a learning experience every time. Yeah. Um, so I want to talk about Billions for a moment. How did you get brought onto the show? And what was it like working with such a popular and really respected show? Because yeah. that's really, that's a good show. Yeah. yeah um, on, I mean, it all goes back to Allison Estrin, who is the casting director for that show. And um, Allison and Henry, Henry Russell Bergstein, were kind of the two bosses that I, that I really found a, a home in New York City with. Um, after working with Ellen Lewis on Ready Player One, which I was only on really to kind of work through the kind of the search and attaching of the two lead characters. And once that was done, they were like, it's going to go down for a few months. We, there's not any room for an assistant. So I was like, okay. So then I had found Allison and Estrin through all the casting connections. Yeah. Um, and I worked on a film with them. And at the time they were wrapping up season one of Billions. I think they're on the, like the last two episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wasn't really working on it. I was just around it. But, um, and I had never done television. I had only ever worked on film. And, um, and only for like a few months. So I was like, what is casting still? It's, it's a new thing. And, you know, working with Allison and Henry, then I did one film with them. And then what was great is that they worked on so many different things that I got to start, you know, to being a part of theater and all this stuff. But then season two of Billions came back around. And as I was, had never done TV before, I had brought, was brought on as an assistant. And for me, an assistant too is always kind of very much like you are the like administrative help as far as this. So it's like, it's, it's sometimes, and for me, it's always about like learning the ropes at your desk and talking to the agents and the managers and direct and the direct actors in the space and and helping with that and then slowly learning as you're in the room and taping and stuff the conversations that are had and how to direct yeah. and so that was my experience with billions as first so like allison brought me on as the assistant and i worked on season two and it was it's it, i think for me that it's, it's such a formative experience as to how i work in the room especially work and, and how what and how i work on television shows yeah. um and it's such a such a great show for representing New York talent. I think it's one of those things that so beneficial for me because Allison, who had, has been in the business for a while, um, really, you know, brought in such great people. And also is a great example of like, when you don't book a job, book a room, she, you know, brings in people that she loves over and over again. So that to me is like, so great. And I love seeing those connections being made. And she's really great at working with people in the room and really kind of pinpointing things in the sides and having those conversations. Um, as well as a show that is, you know, it's, it's high demand, it's very popular. So there is that level of secrecy. So there's that level of like having that conversation of like being able to give the actor enough for them to perform, but also not, you know, give too much away. Um, And she's great. And that show taught a lot and has really kind of shaped, like I said, the way that I kind of, you know, direct and carry on the way that I work. Now you've also worked on The First Wives Club and Black Monday, both projects that as soon as I say the title, people instantly have like a picture and a tone in their mind. And just like we were saying about billions, you know, some projects are more top secret, just that are auditioning with maybe even dummy size, how to make the most of what you're given without not playing too <laughs> beige. I don't know what to call it. Like not being too simple with it, but also not making a meal out of it either. Yeah, you're not going to play it safe. You know, yeah. Yeah. Um, for me, like I said, when it comes, like you're asking the process, like for me, it starts with the script uh-huh. when I read and I'm breaking down and creating and writing the character descriptions and that kind of stuff. So for me with the actors with that situation, when you have zero idea, it always comes back to the page for me. And so I think 
even if it's a dummy side, there's a reason that we chose those dummy sides. There's, there's something in it that is like, what's the emotion? What's the drive? What's the stakes? What is it? And I think it's always about kind of finding that and what it, and I also know that, you know, when it is that secret, everyone is that line. We're, we're still going to try to give you as much as we can in the audition. If it's in the room or if we can put something in an email, put it down in writing, we'll try to give you as much stuff ahead of time we don't want you to come in and just be like completely blindsided and be wrong but you know i think it is it's about trusting yourself you know really reading it and really reading the, the material and just making those choices and i think there's a lot of time where you can read something and it could go a million different ways but what are the two like really what, what are the ways that like to you are like the first two you're like okay i see this and that's when i say about the conversation that i'm about instead of being like what is this is this a comedy how big it's about forming those questions that it's like what is in that in the scene itself that makes, what's, where is it that can diverge into different choices? Yeah. And how can you ask that question uh, that informs that? Because then it makes me show that like, you're coming in and you're, you're not coming in blind or, because when people ask like, is this a comedy? It makes me feel like maybe you're nervous or something yeah. you know, completely like, what's going on? So being able to take the time to like, look at the material and formulate those questions, um, I think is really important and that's just, that, that really helps. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and I, I always want to remind actors that in that situation, there's also times where you get called in the very last minute on these things that have no context at all, that you have to realize that we, we are also very aware of that. Like, I know that when you come in, it's like, okay, I know you got this, like, however many hours ago, here's the conversation. And I always want to make sure that I lead with, like, I, this is what, how I want to do it, so this is going to help try to help you. To uh -huh. and, I think, and I hope that whatever information I'm willing can give can also then inform you about how you're going to do this first take. Yeah. But I think there's something really great about those organic first takes without out any questions, without any direction, because it just shows me your thought process and then allows me to be like, okay, how can I translate what you're thinking into things that I feel like you can understand? And all the casting directors I've ever spoken to all would rather see a choice because then they know they can direct and shape something rather yeah. than just being too general. That was one reason I wanted to start the podcast is I wanted actors to see that there is a partnership in the room we're not yeah. coming in to perform. Like we on both sides of the table are working together to try to create this product to yeah. then send up the ladder. And I think that that's so, so key for us to keep in mind that, you know, you guys are aware you're not moving so fast that you don't realize that we got it a few hours ago or yeah. late last night, you know, it's, it's all that is factored in. Yeah. Now actors often want to feel productive. Um, but a lot of times that's like expensive mailers that don't truly move the needle. Um, what are some more positive ways that actors can, Stay on casting's radar, stay in touch, but not be a nuisance. Uh, I always say lead with baked goods. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm Southern. Yeah, I like this. Yeah, one. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Treats always get it. No, um, like sex. Not yet. Not, yeah, you're, you're like expensive mailers, and I'm like bake a cake. Um, no, so yeah, I think for me, it's always about taking pride in your work, and I, you know, and it's so finding ways to show that, and if that's you know through having an email be sent by agents and managers, and if you don't have agents and managers about, you know, when you're in the room, if you have the chance to be in with us and, and, and really learning and talking with us and, you know, what is it that we respond to and what is it about the work that you want to show us that you're excited about and yeah. highlighting that, you know what I mean? So it's not like you're just like sending us all of this new stuff, but it's like maybe we had a conversation or there's something in the room that you remember from me laughing about and you're like, oh, I just feel like this same energy is something that they would also really respond to. Um, it's kind of tailoring it a little bit to our taste in a sense, I guess. And I think that only comes with time um and if you're gonna do mailers i always i always say because I mean, it is a big thing people do it, do it all the time yeah. uh, the hard copies i think when it comes to offices like when it's more than one person and you're, i've had people that send a card or, or anything to every single person in the office and that's so much money and i think 
people forget that like things are passed around and things are talked about like you know I think really just it's one is enough I think you can direct you know or is a, or if there's one project and there's one person you know that's working on that project send it to that one person and so you know um so if you're going to do the mailers that are expensive I think you know just do it wisely and choose that um but that's you know yeah and like and also then knowing like when you have this conversation with those casting directors and stuff too, or just being aware of like knowing how they like to communicate. So if it's like on social media, social media, if they're okay with social media, great. But if they don't like, don't like it, you know, and, and how yeah. knowing when to cross that boundary. And if, if it is, it's like talking to them via Instagram where it's like, maybe you're like, Hey, I don't know if it's appropriate. If not, let me know, you know, and leading with that or something like that and figuring out those kind of conversations. Excellent. Mm-hmm. All right. Last question we ask everyone on the podcast. What is one thing you wish you would go back and tell your younger self? Ooh, um, goodness gracious. Uh, all that talking fast will come in handy. And, <laughs> um, yeah, I think just that, you know, that, that your obsession with, you know, movies and stuff like that does kind of pay off. And I think, um, yeah. So keep watching, I guess, is what I would tell myself. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Well, thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. I really do appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you so much. It was really, really great. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for listening. And to my guest today, Satchel Buck-Jones. I'm Laura Linda Rowley, and this is What's My Frame.